Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Only Pod Ever. I'm Harrison, he's Marty, and holy shit, buddy, it's it's been a crazy week, hasn't it? It has been, and I think we should maybe start recording episodes the week of, sadly. Honestly, because then we just sound like we're behind the whole time. Adding that little note in the in the last episode was so funny because I was like just listening back to make sure everything made sense. Like I think we're gonna be good for this week. Obviously, not getting the big news, and just like immediately we're like, "Oh, good news! There's no Alexis on fire updates whatsoever." <laughs> like, okay, whoops. I mean, honestly, like I know we've talked about it many times, but it's kind of crazy how much Alexis stuff is actually happening. Like it's more like it's more than it has been in the last like ten years. Like outside of those outside of obviously the album. Like it's wild. Yeah, we literally picked a great time to start a podcast on a band that we care about so much. We absolutely did. We absolutely yeah, so did. the the big news, if if you didn't hear, obviously you did hear. Uh but Alexis on Fire is opening for Blink one eighty two in Toronto. And not at any place in Toronto, let me tell you folks, at the Rogers Centre. This is where the Toronto Blue Jays play. This is probably the biggest venue you can play at in Canada, I want to say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is where, like, Beyonce played for a couple of nights. This is where Taylor Swift played for a couple of nights, just to put in some some comparison here. Uh, but yeah, and they're only playing that one show in Toronto, too. It's not like they're playing the whole tour supporting Blink. Uh Pierce the Veil is going to be supporting them the whole time. And then the last show of the tour is in Toronto, or at least the last uh, stop in North America is in Toronto, and Alexis is opening. So, okay, so one quick note on this. Uh, this might change, but this is the only show on the tour that there are two bands opening. for. Blink. Yeah, uh, well, mm, I saw before, I think Rise Against is opening up in Europe. For them oh, as well okay. too. Oh, true. Okay. And I'm I think run, okay, I and I think there's like some maybe some other bands as well. But Alexis is okay. the only one slated for on this it. on this run for yeah on this yeah. specific run. So yeah. what was your reaction when you saw this on your phone? I honestly like it what was, it makes no sense. I was confused. Honestly, I was really confused just because I. I just, I, I don't think it ever crossed my mind. If you were to ask me, do you think Alexis on Fire would ever open for Blink-182? I would have been like, are you stupid? <laughs> no, no, there would be no way in hell that Alexis would be opening for Blink. Now, it's funny because I think you and I, Marty, we have a very complicated relationship with Blink-182. I think that's kind of like the, the easy way to say it is that I think we have a very love-hate relationship with this band. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. All right. Let's say let's say it's on a scale of one to ten. Hate is in the one zone. Love is in the ten zone. Where do you lie on that scale? Nowadays, probably three or four. <laughs> okay. Gr- growing up, and when I was a huge fan of like pop punk and punk and skate punk and any other type of subgenre of punk back in the day uh they were one of my favorites i've seen them twice now um soon to be three times now with alexis um but yeah i saw them 
their first reunion tour when they got back together with Tom back in what, 08 or 09. Mm-hmm. And then I saw them in 2013 as well, too. And Blink was one of those bands that well, they were just such a gateway punk band for sure. And my band even covered, like back in the day, we covered a few Blink songs. I think we covered Damn It. And I saw Wade McNeil saying that his band also covered Damn It back in the day. It's just like one of those things that you do, right? It's the Golden Four. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a, I mean, I was just, um, yeah, I just feel like I was playing that song just the other day. I mean, yes. Okay. So it's, I, I it's, it's difficult because, you know, I, I kind of like the new album a little bit just cause it's kind of like, I can't, I can't really parse if it's like ironic or not. I know I've mentioned this like a bajillion times, but obviously Blink-155 is an inspiration for me to do this podcast. And that entire, like thousands of hours of content of basically being like, do we actually hate this question mark? Not sure. Why do we like it? Question mark. Not sure. So like, I definitely fall into that court category. I did not like Blink growing up at all. I thought they were stupid. Oh, really? When you were younger, you weren't dumb. You weren't part of that nostalgia phase with Blink then. No, not really. I was like, I just kind of like was like, oh, you know what? The songs are good. I think I was more just like trying to be cool by not liking them. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm probably I'm probably more of like a five or six. I now did did I go see them? Uh, when they came to Toronto and I paid a bajillion dollars. Yes, of course I did. Uh, but that was fun. I enjoyed it. And I thought we were going to actually sell our tickets. I thought it was more of an investment. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like people trying to snatch up Taylor Swift tickets here in Toronto, just like trying to resell them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. So we, we definitely, we definitely have a difficult relationship with it, but like, okay. So when I saw Blink-182 here in Toronto, Turnstile opened for them. Dun, right? Dun, it's just a holiday. Yeah. And it was like, first off, surreal to see that band do that. But it was great. So my question to you, Harrison, is, you know, maybe I'll preface this for a little bit. It's like Alexis opening for a, any band in Toronto. Makes sense, right? They're obviously going to be around. It's going to be an easy booking, whatever. But like, is Alexis on fire like cool? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is this like, are they because there's, you, you know, you, they didn't need to book another. I think that you know, from the from the ticket prices that came out, I don't think Blink needs like any help selling that stadium. But like, is Alexis like cool, man? Like, are you saying cool as in like they're gonna help draw? No, are they like? Show? Are they or is like this band hip? cool overall? Hip? Are they hip? It, well, I guess you. I don't want to answer a question with another question, but is Blink one eighty Blink one eighty two actually cool still? No, well, not at all. Well, there you Definitely go. Definitely not. Well, again, it's, <laughs> it's well, you know you know what I, you know what I mean though. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at this thinking, you know, of course this doesn't make sense. You could just say that out loud, but like, man, I think it does make a lot of sense. It's 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 funny because, you know, I think Blink One Eighty Two, and we've talked about them on the podcast before. They they ride the nostalgia train, like they ride it very hard. And I always thought in my mind that Alexis 
doesn't do it as much. Like, yes, they they played their self-titled album from front to back before um, at Born and Raised. And I think they're always just moving forward. And yes, yeah, Blink is moving forward in a way where they're releasing new music. But I think it's just always kind of like the same old formula or whatever. Um, but again, mm. I'm kind of digressing about the facts or the or, or your question is: Is this band cool? <laughs> well, I okay, okay. Here's a here's a better better way to ask this question. Does like what Alexis on Fire has done in the last however many years is that something that is admirable to bands like Blink One Eighty Two and does that does that make them you know like attractive to play with or to at least like you know like it, it is i think you know what i mean like i think that blink yeah you're right but alexis is doing it differently but they're doing it in a way that i don't know I've, it's gonna it's gonna last i mean i think i think the blink stuff is gonna last harrison to be honest look i watched the zane low interview i spent like an hour and a half just watching these chuds talk about whatever and i feel like they're kind of like locked in now i think i think they're it's gonna be okay right oh yeah they they found they're their gonna formula be they found their formula they know what works but i mean like emotionally like interpersonally like i think the band is gonna like you know they're gonna like maintain whatever this is yeah. but i don't know some something makes me think that travis barker is like yo this band is sweet like we need to have them on because have you listened, like, honestly, they could listen to otherness and think this was that, like, this was a screamo band, right? Totally. And you would be blown away with it without the context, right? I don't know. That's, you, that's just, that's just my theory. That's just my theory. No, it's a good theory. Do you think that Alexis is nostalgic to Canadians the way Blink is to the rest of the world, including Canada? Yeah. I mean, I know. Like, you're gonna say yes right well it's well i'm just like well we are a podcast talking about this band that's been around since 2000 and 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 one basically right Mm -hmm. i it yes yes of course and we definitely i think the two of us talked about this even before we launched it like trying to like not make it a nostalgic thing because Mm -hmm. we've talked about it on the pod as well um so you think that's why they were slotted in is simply because it's like another like nostalgia band that would I I think it's a, I think it's uh just their success and the nostalgic and their musicianship as well too. I think that's what really brought them in. Because you could have brought in another kind of Canadian band at that at that point. You could have brought in maybe some forty one, maybe not the best, just because they're they're ending. Or like simple plan. Simple plan. As well too. Bring them in. We need because they play, they played the when when we were young festival too right with Blink, mm-hmm. so I don't know like but see that but that goes back to my point like I think that legitimately they had a choice Blink uh, they basically picked Turnstile out of a out of a crowd not to say it was easy to pick that band out it was obviously being cool because no shit obviously but I I genuinely believe that there is a level of admiration or that they think that this band is cool because again yeah like we we know like pretty common knowledge how much how expensive blink 182 tickets were on this like comeback tour or whatever right it was ridiculous the tickets we got were not nearly as expensive and 
you know, it's a similar cap, obviously, to playing an arena twice as playing a stadium like that. So I don't know, man. I think we're, we'll have to do like an episode or something on that. Like, we'll obviously do one around the, the, the concert itself. But I don't know. It's just so weird, man. Like, what the fuck happened? I'd be curious as well, too, to see if Alexis will get um, some more recognition on this tour. I was a little concerned just because, or not concerned, but, you know, reading different publications, obviously the big news is Blink is touring, um, but you look at a lot of different, like, news sources and everything, and they don't really mention that Alexis on Fire is playing that one Canadian date, only on, like, Brooklyn Vegan or something like that. So I'm curious if people are also going to look at the other bands that are playing and and dive into those the same way that they would dive into Alexis, I guess, if they do, if they do some research. I think that's uh, why it also makes it so, it makes it very special that they're playing this. Yeah. Like, I, you know, you, you want to just think it's because it's CanCon or whatever, or it's just like, like you're sort of like, you're just, because you, like, well, we'll just throw a Canadian band on the bill to make it, to fill it out. But like, man, something deep in my, deep in my bone says no. So I guess going back to it, do I hate this? No, but I was really shocked when I uh, when I saw this. But I also thought it was really funny too, uh, how Alkaline Trio announced a tour literally the week before, and then Blink's like, "No, we're gonna announce a tour." So, and like I was at, on the last episode, I was like, "Do I want to spend sixty dollars to see Alkaline Trio?" You're like, "Maybe." <laughs> And you're like, whoops, I'm going to spend the same amount of money to see Blink and Alexis. So I might just go do that. Yeah. Um. So, so I guess this means probably more shows next summer, right? Oh, that's that's what I'm hoping. The The rumors on, on Reddit say that there will be another Born and Raised festival. Okay. Can't confirm nor deny. I don't have any reliable sources. Marty, you're really my only source. And they said that it will be in St. Catharines. Everyone's saying, you know, playing watch out from front to back but there might be a few few shows here and there but yeah watch out it's turning 20 right that makes sense yeah that makes sense oh man okay here's hoping here's hoping because i would love that way more than going to see blink and alexis but it's going to be cool to see alexis in the dome it's i hear it's terrible acoustics but it's just the fact that they'll be at the sky dome we're going to post the best content on Instagram, just like zooming in from the 500s. Like oh, it's gonna in Dog's Blood, we all drowned. Yeah. Just like, oh. oh, we're going to be crushing beers. I'm, we're just going to look like total Lexus fans as well, too. It's like we'll, we'll stick out like sore thumbs, but. 100%. 100%. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about this show probably closer to um, closer to the actual show in in august so we'll we'll have some time to sit think about it we'll listen back see if we actually agree with our past selves as well um the other thing that we saw as well too that was making lots of waves was uh keegan colser of the vegas golden knights huge let's go huge alexis fan and his suit jacket the lining inside was the heart skull yeah, printed all over the place and we posted it on our instagram and it also blew up on reddit as well too and it's so cool i want one yeah it's like imagine like yeah just getting that custom like put down like right yeah he's he's a beauty for that man i told i told my partner i'm like if we ever get married one day i'm i'm getting that for for the wedding i'm like i don't care like that's my thing so yeah you're gonna you're gonna flash that as your your first dance is dog's blood an acoustic dog's blood <laughs> let's open up the pit <laughs> at the wedding it'll be great um 
But speaking of, of, of heads and true heads, I want to talk about something very special for this week's episode and obviously in par with our spooky season. I want to talk about Doom's Children and Deadheads as well, too. So where we last, I hear you snickering in the background and I can't wait because that's going to be you the whole time. Um, when our last episode, I left off telling the story of when Mari and I were in Milwaukee. And you have to say Milwaukee like that. It's not Milwaukee. But uh, we were there because our good friend, he has this goal to go to every MLB stadium in in North America. He wants to see all, what is it, 30 teams? 32 yeah, teams? 30. Yeah, he wants to go to every ballpark. So we tagged along because we're, we're such good friends. And you also went to a Jawbreaker show as well too, right? Yeah, very sick. Yeah. Very sick. And Built to Spill opened as well too. And Smoke and Pulse. Smoke and Pulse. Nobody, yeah. okay. I can't do it. Never mind. Go ahead. Well, yeah, Built to Spill. Yeah, I, I saw, I was like, yeah, this is the old guy. That yeah, was on the thing. I know this is Uncle. Man. This is Uncle Doug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncle Doug. Right. The um. So we went. Uh, we went and saw the Milwaukee Brewers play, and when we were at the park, uh, formerly Miller Park, uh, I forget what it's called now. It's like Family Values Park or something. I don't know. <laughs> I forget the name. It's something like American Family. Love. Something Limp Biscuit related to it. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. Uh, we were in the merch store. And I came across a Grateful Dead shirt. It had the the Steely, um, which for those who don't know, it is the Grateful Dead skull with the red and blue and the lightning bolts in it. That's what they call Steely. It's based off of Steal Your Face, which was a live album. It's been seen in other places before. But anyways, I saw that shirt and our buddy was like, Harrison, you have to get this. And, and Marty looked at me and, and you were basically like, why the fuck would Harrison want this? <laughs> why do you want a Grateful Dead shirt? That that's not that's not punk at all. Why why the hell would he want this? And I remember during like the seventh inning or sixth inning or whatever, I think we were looking for beers and and custard for our one buddy. Oh, yeah. And you asking me what what's what's the big deal about the Grateful Dead? Yeah, how did you how did you take that conversation? Like, wh- how do you remember it? Were you offended? No, I was I I thought it was hilarious because I I get that I get that question a lot like why the Grateful Dead? Yeah, I think I think that was how I I just said I'm like why, dude? Like, why? What? I was like I know you've smoked weed before, like <laughs> like I know you've like you know like this is this doesn't seem like it's a like a an occurrence of some sort. I mean, obviously you know why, but I just wanted to like ask and try to like dive into the fandom because obviously that is like the coolest part of the band right like yeah you know, it's like is 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 everything that goes along with it yeah totally the uh so i'm gonna do my best there are grateful dead historians out there um they are probably the most uh documented and archived band in history so you can definitely do your research as well too but i'll kind of do like an explain like i'm five about the grateful dead and then how it's all gonna tie in um so essentially, the Grateful Dead, they are a rock band, started off in the 60s in San Francisco. Uh, the big thing about the Grateful Dead, or the kind of like the key takeaways about this band, is not only their devoted fan base, known as Deadheads, um, but the type of music that they play. So they are a rock band, but they like to fuse in different elements of music, like blues, jazz, folk, 
country, bluegrass, reggae, and a lot of psychedelic. Let me tell you, a lot of psychedelic. Um, and all these guys are incredible musicians. It's actually how I got into the dead was my parents. They have like lots of CDs in the house. They used to be part of the Columbia house thing where you get like 12 CDs for a cent and you don't actually pay for it or whatever. Um, and there was a CD called Skeletons from the, the Closet, The Best of the Grateful Dead. And, you know, as a kid, you look at it, it's like, oh, cool. There's a skeleton on the cover. There's some weird, crazy looking things. Let's let's listen to it. And as a kid, I didn't really appreciate it as much until I got older and I really started learning how to play guitar and was learning, you know, different scales and actually learning like a little bit more kind of guitar theory. And every like forum I looked at, every, every, um, you know, guitar kind of focused website, they always referenced Jerry Garcia and Bob Weir, the two guitarists of, of, of the Grateful Dead. And I just started like diving in and I'm like, wow, this is really great music because not only um, is it amazing instrumentation as well too, but all of their songs sound like completely different. And that was also a big thing about this band is that they have like a core you know set of studio songs or whatever but they also have a bunch of live songs and a big thing about this band is that they would allow people at their concert their fans to actually tape all of their shows Mm -hmm. so you can actually go and listen to all these tapes and every show would sound different you know they're not going to play the same song um the same way like the next day or whatever the set lists actually change they're all unique as well too each song yes it has like it's the standard it's standard length maybe recorded on like the album but like live it could be like a 20 minute jam and they're just going out they're improvising it's the real kind of like jazzy um aspects of it but but yeah and then you just start kind of like digging mm-hmm. and like going through the archives and like pinpointing like different you know generations of the band or different like eras of the group as well too and i would say from like 2018 to probably like 2022 2021 i was there was a lot of grateful dead listening in my house like Mm -hmm. just listening to different live albums different tapes recorded stuff again this band is so heavily archived that you can find uh there's stuff everywhere and there are a lot of different bands out there that are huge Grateful Dead fans. Um, you know, Bonnie Vare, The National, um, you know, obviously more bands that sound like them, Fish or like Ween as well, too. So there's a lot of different like kind of jumping off points. Did you as- find did you find it difficult to get in, like to dive in once you like, yeah, OK, you, you understand what the band is and stuff, but to to understand and get the scope of. For example, all the different like, yeah, like live albums and traditions and like all the little intricacies of like the set list and stuff, right? Because isn't there just like details upon details upon details? Like, did you find that difficult or did that like sort of spur you on? No, there's it it, it was actually very easy because everything is so well documented in Mm. in their history as well, too, where you could you know, look up one live album and then someone said, oh, if you like this or if you like these sets of songs, maybe check out this one as well too um 
their community, like the band, uh, or like, sorry, the fans, the deadheads out there, they are, you know, they're everywhere. Or they like to say, we're everywhere in reference to Bob Weir, their guitarist <laughs> and other lead singer. Um, but it was so easy just to kind of like get into them and also meet like-minded people as well, too. There's a lot of different, or there's so many deadheads out there. Um, you know, what do John Belushi, Steve Jobs, Phil Jackson, and Stephen King all have in common? They all <laughs> love the Grateful Dead. Um, and I also found, too, personally, that the Grateful Dead, they embody the punk ethos as well, too. Which I think is very controversial just because there's always been a big thing about punks versus hippies. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Grateful Dead is a band that became one of the, well, they are known for their their huge following. But this band had very little airplay on the radio. Um, they were spread by word of mouth through through tapes and, and, and records and... Um, selling like bootleg merch at what they called shakedown street which is where you know people meet outside of the grateful dead show and they like they party and they exchange you know different you know diy merch of the band as well too um they have their um, various different logos that you could argue are you know similar to you know the black flag bars as well too and speaking of black flag greg greg Ginn, or sorry, Greg Ginn is, and Henry Rollins are both huge Grateful Dead fans. I mean, it's if you if you did not if you did not grow up, you know, hating Blink One Eighty Two because they weren't super punk or something. Yeah, you could see the same similarities and just like their ethos of how they approached. Yeah, like letting people record all their concerts. Like, like that's you know that's a that's a that's just like not a, not not exactly a big step, but you know what I mean. It's like a difficult sort of things thing to do, and it's very yeah, like very much forging your own path and doing something that other people would very much not consider a viable thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, they're they're definitely they're definitely punk, hundred yeah. percent. And I think you've definitely seen this as well too. But in '92 during the Summer Olympics, they sponsored Lithuania, and oh, yeah. they have those Grateful Dead basketball jerseys and yeah that's just i don't know i just thought that was really cool but how much do those go for like i've seen like again like with the grateful dead community i've seen like so many like you know homemade ones or diy diy yeah. ones that you could buy for like 50 100 bucks but I, i've i don't like the original ones i don't know probably in the thousands i'm guessing this but. is a weird aside but one of my friends once got the uh we all know mighty ducks number two of course that's, that's the best one yes it is thank you we're we're so aligned man this right. is nuts so um the trinidad and tobago uh jerseys oh, the tie yeah. ones yeah very much inspired by these dude like literally like movie like a movie set prop like worn on set fifty dollars wow 50 usd and i'm like dude i think i would pay a hundred oh, easily yeah like man. I, I I hope it came with the steel drums that they played on when when they scored. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's the oh that scene is the best. Yeah, oh, the movie so is good. awesome. Oh, so, so good. Can we watch that? Can we do a watch along for for that? <laughs> it's like Alexis on Fire movie series, Mighty Ducks two, and then that's it. Oh yeah, there's def- wrap it up. definitely some influence there. Um, but yeah, no, like 
I don't know. This this band is 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 great. I suggest if you're not a fan or you don't want to listen to it just based off of kind of like the the hippie culture or whatever, I think you know you're judging a book by its cover. There's some great mm-hmm. music in there, um, and you just have to you just have to dig. And the thing I always said about the Grateful Dead is they just kind of come to you when you, when you need them the most. Mm-hmm. That's what I I have always thought. There's lots of people who who you know, really like this band and it helps them out just because there's like obviously that sense of community. Um, but it just kind of like takes them, takes them away to like their own, their own special place. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I remember, I remember when we were in Milwaukee <laughs> and you mentioned just the idea that look like, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're learning stuff on guitar all the time, right? Guitar itself is a, is another like labor of love and something that you can really sink your teeth into. And like you said, you're like, these songs are like interesting and difficult and like to play on guitar and to learn and to understand as music. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that is that that is also just a, a another entirely like, you know, I wouldn't say the word legitimate, but like, you know, there's another avenue to get in and an avenue that made a lot of sense for you. Right. Where it's like, hey, like these are this will make me a better guitar player and I want to learn how to play guitar better. And I I do not want to do metalcore stuff. So, yeah. Like it's, it's, can I do metalcore? It's different. It's, and guitar is something for me that's comforting, right? Mm-hmm. As well, too. Um, which kind of leads to. Oh, hold on, know, hold on. Uh, vintage 1992 Lithuania basketball t shirt, Grateful yeah. Dead tie dye XL tie dye. Dude, $420. $420. Screenshotting this, screenshotting this for Instagram right now. Oh, love it. Only cost $420. Oh my god! I know what I want for my birthday. This <laughs> pod gift. Everyone's pitching in to get you this for sure, right? No, and then I think as well too. Like, like I enjoy playing punk music. I love playing hardcore music. But you know, there's a reason why post punk and post hardcore exists, right? It's like these guys were always experimenting as well too, right? I think they were listening to other things just besides, you know, their their colleagues or like their, you know, other, other bands that are, we're in the scene as well too. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you start just diving into different things. Um, and referencing that meme that I know Wade posted was like, which way, like rural punk teen. It was yeah. like some stupid, like rockabilly, the dead or like country music. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, totally. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And yeah, like there are like, there are bands today that, that, are definitely inspired by the dead that still kind of continue on uh kind of like that legacy as well too i would say you know probably one of the more contemporary acts billy strings i don't know if you've ever seen that guy play guitar but oh man he's really good and and i know you i think you like molly tuttle as well too yes oh yeah oh man she's awesome she's really good as well too but like that's the thing it's like people like the dead have kind of brought me down this road where i can like discover lots of new music like this they were definitely like a gateway no pun intended but like a gateway to other music as well mm. yeah is your what's your gateway is a gateway drug is that your yeah yeah is a yeah. weed joke okay yeah cool. we joke right. yeah all right good to know yeah man oh i think i think it's molly toodle not to correct you sorry yeah no but no please no, do her, i said i said um moog synthesizer last week and when it's moog synthesizer i'm not good with vowels but <laughs> there's the two o's man yeah. just like obviously I, I grew up like listening to a lot of bluegrass and country and just the way she plays guitar is truly like incredible 
mm-hmm. like the speed, her right hand speed is like nuts. It's crazy. I could right? watch her play guitar all day. And it sounds like, and like the, the albums are like, so like the melodies are just so like stripped down, but like, man, the guitar just like fills so much space. It's like such a, like a neat sonic experience. Oh, totally. And, and, and Jerry Garcia, the lead guitarist and songwriter of the Grateful Dead singer, uh, he played banjo first. He played bluegrass music. That's actually Uh, where a lot of the riffs were inspired from was his banjo playing, which is really cool as well. Um, but yeah, this this music I find is very is very comforting, and you know it's different from from punk music. And I think this actually is a great way to to jump to Doom's Children, mm-hmm. which is Wade McNeil's side project. And personally, I think besides obviously City and Color, because I think you know Dallas is is fantastic in his own right. This is one of the best side projects I think to to come from music. Um, not am I a little biased because I'm a Grateful Dead fan? Sure. Um, but there are a lot of other like nodes and tributes and kind of like Easter eggs of, of other 60s and early 70s rock bands, especially psychedelic bands as well, too. You definitely hear overtones of that. But I think with, with Doom's Children, which is, which is something interesting that, that he brought up, he said, um, you know, my deep involvement in punk and hardcore has always made me listen to other things. Uh, Wade said on tour I'm playing these chaotic shows every night when I get back to the bus I'm listening to something very very far away from that that's important as a way to calm yourself down and to not live in the manic state all the time Mm -hmm. so again Wade's kind of dealing with the same same thing you know he's obviously a huge punk fan huge hardcore fan you can hear it in his music you can hear it on in his influences as well too but also he just you know, wants to kick back and, and listen to the dead. It's, it's, it's comforting. You want that balance. So yeah. I get, yeah. So this, like this, this project is like revealed and sort of happens. Like, were you as a, as a, as a dead fan, were you at all like not surprised, but what was your reaction to, to Wade going the direction he did with this? I was, I was really excited when I first heard this. Um, because I heard his actual, his cover of, of Front of the Devil mm. first. And then I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, this is really good. You know, Marty, your other favorite band, The Counting Crows, they do a cover of it as well, too. Sha-la-la-la-la-la-la. <laughs> but, uh, uh-huh. yeah. but yeah, they, uh, but when he did that, I was like, okay, I'm excited to see what will come of this, right? Just because it's another side of a band that I admire. And again, another another avenue of music to to listen to that's just you know not not punk or or hardcore mm-hmm. it's this the the thing that you could say about doom's children is that it is scratching such an itch like to meld the two worlds in a way that's like a little bit more like meaningful like we were just sort of talking about like is is this music punk right and mm-hmm. then you're like, no, here is like, it is. And here's like, uh, even cl- like a bridge to that, a bridge between the worlds. Cause you know, like that th- it's for me, I, you know, this has obviously been very successful. I think doom's children could be like fucking huge. Yeah. Honestly, like yeah. they could do a really, and I know they have the, the, the next sort of next sort of release coming up, but man, I really think this band could be massive just for that reason. Yeah. They are. It's just, 
and just obviously like the-, the songs are amazing i do have yeah. to say that like like wade wade when he's kind of like left to his own sort of like devices on these are, are like the the hooks are amazing like the songs are so interesting the guitar licks are like so cool yeah man like skeleton that- beach is just like so warbly it's yeah. amazing and Skeleton Beach has that nice kind of like slide guitar yeah. and has like those cool little licks in between the verses. And in Skeleton Beach, he references Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead in there too. Yeah. We smoked one in the parking lot listening to Jerry sing. I do. I Okay. Is this the only song in the world that mentions doing acid while flying from Toronto to New Brunswick? I think it is. I think it I is think too. It is. Okay. I think it is too. Okay. Oof. Close. And when I go to New Brunswick, you're not allowed just because of your previous mix-up of, of, yeah, of, of Fredericton. We I don't want to talk about it. I actually yeah, took that's... a lot of heat for that. Um, <laughs> I took a lot of heat. I, I don't want to get into it. It was really bad. Was Anyways, really bad. the, uh, yeah, it's, and I think that's like a big thing as well, too, is this album, like we can touch about the music in, in a bit, but this album is, he just lays it out on there. It's all, it's all there. Know, he talks man. about depression. He talks about his struggle with drugs and alcohol, kind of like, you know, his entrance into rehab, past relationships. It's it's a very personal album. Yeah, he deserves a lot of credit for doing this, like just putting it out there, like you said. Um, I really like Heavy Year. Heavy Year is a song that um, is not like one of the big ones off of the album, even streaming, but... If you're looking for something to sort of get into and sort of brace yourself for what this album could be, obviously Flower Moon's the one that streams pretty well. But yeah. like, just listen to that one just to sort of get yourself, just give yourself like a little bit of a feel. Because yeah. it's, yeah, it, it, there are just very emotional times in this album. Very yeah. emotional. And I think that's that's what I love about this album is that it, you know, it you can definitely hear, you know, Grateful Dead throughout the album. You can hear... You know, other bands that came to mind was, you know, Funkadelic, Santana, you know, Sabbath, Derek and the Dominoes, Almond Brothers, Deep Purple, you, you name it, right? Like kind of like mm-hmm. that sound and it's great. But then you also have like these very interpersonal lyrics where, you know, Wade just lets the walls fall down and he just lays it out there for us mm-hmm. to hear while we're also jamming out as well, too. Like... You listen to Flower Moon, like you brought up Flower Moon, right? And that is a very, you know, it's a very personal song as well, too. But there is such a heavy guitar part later with a like, nice blistering solo. Starts off with that ham and organ. And like, it's it's a great, like, the, it, that's kind of like the definition of, of, of that album, right? Mm-hmm. I liked but, the, uh, there was the review from, I think, Kerrang. I have my notes okay. here. There's just the first line was, cathartic music doesn't need to be dark and depressing. That was from Misha Perlman, I believe. Um, I just thought that line made a lot of sense for how this album sounds. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it is very cathartic is bingo, like perfect way to describe not only the lyrics, but just how this music actually feels. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And what I like, what I love about it is again, is, is the instrumentation. Like you hear like organs on here, such lush soundscapes and, and different guitar tones as well too. Um, a lot of cool different like percussion is used as well too. And, you know, just the way that the songs take you on a journey, just similar to Grateful Dead songs, right? Where 
you know, you are going from like this very, you know, basic chord progression at the beginning, maybe. And then you're kind of going, as we've talked about in the past, kind of like the, the peaks and valleys of, of, of the music, right? Just very different um, from, from, you know, your traditional basic pop song or even like a Black Lungs punk song too. Like they're just completely different. And it's the same person who makes, makes these songs too, which I find very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, the, this, this, like, this is so good. Oh, like, it's, I, I don't, I don't think Wade got enough credit for this album. I really hope the second one is, is, is just like pops off again. I, I really hope he tours because. Yeah, that was the other and, thing. Yeah. Did he, he just played, he opened up for City and Color a bit, right? Did he do anything else? I think he opened up for City and Color and I think he played with, um, Canadian friend Matt Mace as well. Oh, yes, too. yes, he did. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah, the um, but I would I would love for him to do like a. For me, it'd be so cool if he did like a show at like, uh, uh, like here in in the Hammer as well too. Like somewhere like you know a Mills Hardware like Bridgeworks, just like a very small intimate venue, um, and play a show. And a lot of the, oh, I forgot to add as well too. His band is includes Dan Romano and Ian Romano of of Attack and Black as well too. Always good to have some Romanos in your band. That's what we've learned. That's what we've learned. And then Patrick Bennett is the other guitarist in the band and I'm not sure who's doing the solos on on the album. Um but either way the guitar work is is phenomenal on here. I think I think it might be Wade. I think it was like <laughs> Wade was like, "Hey man, I could just like rip some dude i could just rip some solos is that cool and everyone's like yeah you can do whatever you want he's like okay sick well that's... Flower, flower moon is so stinky oh it's so stinky dee, 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 dee. oh the uh, and that's the thing too is that like the recording process is a little different it was very organic in the fact that it was i believe it was all of them were just recording at once just like recording a jam session instead of like a track by track layer oh well, interesting too. wow that's so cool man yeah yeah because yeah because it just how the just how some of the riffs work it's that's awesome yeah the um and i think something else just to include before i play you a couple of videos because i just want to i just yeah. want to get you in the dead just you know a little bit maybe just you come back to me the next next week and be like harrison i listened to live europe 72 front to back and <laughs> like huge fan now i have i have the weirdest skullet you've ever seen <laughs> the weirdest skullet i just i i I meet up with you and I look at your car and there's a bunch of like uh, dancing bear stickers on there as well too. Um, like, wow, he, he really took like he ordered these. He must have worn the stickers down to make it look like it's been on there for 15 years. This guy is invested. Uh, one thing I want to compare again, just before I forget, the punk culture and kind of like the dead culture as well too is that in the in the punk world and obviously kind of like Wade talks about this in his music as well too. Um, you know, there is this kind of like straight edge community and there is a very similar community within the dead culture. Um, these people are called wharf rats. So these are people who uh, may have struggled with addiction or don't even do drugs or, or alcohol at all. And they're just here for the music. And they're actually all hang out at the shows together as well, too. Oh, that's rad. So, yeah. So I think it's like, again, it's a very welcoming community that, uh, you know, even Alexis has tried to to achieve as well, too. Um, but that is actually within the own dead culture as well, hmm. which is which is really cool. I didn't know that. the war rats, wharf, wharf, wharf rats. rats. Okay, yeah, yeah, like fishermen's wharf and like in San Fran. 
So, um, I'm going to play you some videos now, just so, again, you can get like a feel of the dead. And also our listeners can also understand the dead as well, too, a little bit. Um, All right, look, you know, uh, straight, huge shout out to the Straight Edge community. Uh, these videos will not be representing you at all as I look at this <laughs> 1970 new Speedway Boogie video. There's uh, no chance. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I won't play the full videos just because we're going to have like a three-hour podcast. Um, so I'll play little clips. The second one, I there's a reason why I picked it, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them anyways. Right. Um, so this one is, as you just said, Grateful Dead. Uh, playing new Speedway Boogie in 1970. So this is, you can see the crowd, they're jamming out. And then you can kind of hear like the the Grateful Dead playing here. Yeah, people are moving and grooving. And this is like when the band was starting to, you know, starting to peak and or not peak in popularity but start getting really popular mm -hmm. double drummers double drummers yeah how many so, how many guys are on stage right now uh, there is six. So I'll let it go for like a couple more minutes, but yeah. like this is this is kind of like their more country folk western kind of vibe that they were going in the, like the early 70s no man i dig this tasteful harmonica here for sure yeah that's that's pig pen he's no longer with us well but uh he actually died in the 70s as well but Yeah, man, this is just like, just super, yeah, super chill. Yeah, very bluegrass, yeah, very country. Yeah, yeah. very. Nice. Yeah, um, Working Man's Dead, American Beauty. Those are the two studio albums that you need to listen to if you like this, this kind of vibe. Okay. Um, this next one here is, so Grateful Dead, they played from the 60s all the way to the 90s. They kind of stopped when Jerry Garcia died. So he was the man we just saw singing and playing the, the Gibson there. Um and there's been different, you know, um, different makeups of the band or like iterations of the band. Uh, the most notable one right now or has been was Dead & Company. So they actually got John Mayer to come in because like Wade, John Mayer had a very similar experience where he just found the Grateful Dead and started doing covers with them, um, which was really cool as well. But anyways, so they played towards the 90s. They didn't play in Canada that often. But they did play in Hamilton uh, four times, I believe. Wow. Is it Cops? It's yes. at Cops. This is live at Cops, folks. Yeah. March 22nd, 1990. So this is a two and a half hour video. So I'm going to kind of skip towards the middle here. 
But see, these fans are hardcore. They have the full thing taped. You can listen to this whole show online if yeah. you want. Just look it up. So where do, is are there any like very notable Canadian shows like in terms of like in terms of dead history? Yeah, I would say these Hamilton ones are are notable, and there is also some in British Columbia that were notable as well too. Notable that they actually released um, some official live albums, I guess you could say. Oh really? Of, of this work, yeah. Oh yeah, here's like a little bit more of the stinky bits. Yeah, the really stinky word jamming out here. Wow, this guitar tone is sweet. Right? Yeah, this is a guitar. I guess it doesn't sound like one if you're just listening to this, but Buddy is just jamming. Yeah, so live in Hamilton. So also, again... There, that sound is completely different than what I just previously played you as well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Not as not as country bluegrassy, but um, here is our good friend Wade. <laughs> oh, that clip is so good. Oh, and this is he's, the cover, right? Is this a cover? This is, this is the cover of "From the Devil." We can watch this one in full. Yeah, of course. Oh man, this, look at that guitar. A nice jazz master, always wanted one, always wanted one. I guess we haven't really talked about how his voice really lends itself to this music in a way that's like, just slightly off in a yeah. good way. You know what I mean? Like not to say I, that he's out of key, but it's just like it's just like not exactly what you'd expect to hear. No, it's like you listen to like a you know, something folky like this, it's you, you don't expect a, a a voice like that, right? It it adds it adds like a layer to everything, right? Yeah. Because the only thing I'll say about our boy Jerry singing is that it's definitely, you know, it's like you're not you're not necessarily coming to the coming to the music for the singing. You want the fucking shred. Yeah, yeah. You're, but you're coming Wade's for... voice is so interesting; it makes it work in a way that way. Yeah, like he's just he's just playing a he's playing a Grateful Dead song with just chords, you know. That's exactly it. Like Wade just adds like a uh, you just said it perfectly, right? Like another layer to this that makes it so cool. The little spiky uh, bracelet helps too. That makes anybody a better guitar player. <laughs> Look, it just helps. It just weighs down my left hand. <laughs> Otherwise, it just floats up to the ceiling. It helps with bar chords. <laughs> it's more of a confidence thing, you know. Like I, <laughs> you're just you're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go up to like the ninth fret to hit one. I'm like, oh, I can do I can do it though. I got this cool bracelet on. Also, I love how, like, this is just, like, just him and electric guitar. Nothing else. Yeah.
Let's go. Take us home, Wade. Yeah. I think our good friend Wade just answered the question. Is Alexis on fire cool? <laughs> the answer is yes. Of course. So, like, so fucking cool. N no one else could do this. I'm no. sorry. Yeah. Like, and it, like, no one could make it work this way. Cause like, if you strip it down, it's like, what are you gonna do? Just show up and play like some chords on an electric guitar and just go skibbity bop? No chance. Like, no. man, that's amazing. Such a gr gr great performance. Great, great performance. performance. And then, to no surprise, we get a very Wade style video <laughs> for Psych Hospital Blues. Oh yes. Which is actually. <laughs> My partner and I's favorite song. We love listening to this all the time. <laughs> right, I watched this like years ago and forgot about it. Yes. Oh, it's so good. I also love his shirt. It's the Grateful Dead bear on, on the cross. On the cross. <laughs> Sitting on the Harley, yeah, yeah. It kind of has like the Bound Two vibes of of Kanye back in the day. Yeah, it really does. Eh? That yeah. sounds like this is definitely the a reference. Yeah, well, this is way better. Oh, for sure. And you know, not to not to make this not to make any of this podcast too personal, but imagine just being in the room, being like, "Yeah, no, here's this song about me going to rehab and having a real personal low. Uh, do you want to like just get a?" green screen and I just wear a wig and just kind of hang out <laughs> you know like that's yeah. such a great like a healthy way to like approach this right yes the screen there's just so many good <laughs> shots from this video <laughs> oh I love this man so much if I could just tell him like how much I love this music and just uh, pump out as many albums as he can but honestly, man, this is, yeah, I guess this is probably the most approachable song on the album, man. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Maybe if you show them the song first and then not the music video, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Like they said, they'll be like, this is just like Kanye. You're like, you're right. It is just like Kanye. The karate kids in the background. <laughs> oh, great B-roll selection. Right? Very, um, uh, very eclectic. I love the little, yeah, like that little, the, the chords there, the little country chords at the end of the, of the chorus. Just make it. Yeah, yeah.
Yeah, man, you can't can't get a can't get away from this uh, the emotion of this one, man. Honestly, no, or or the whole album, really, right? Yeah, so. that's beautiful, man. Great music video, great music video, great great song, great album. It's this, there's some a few comparisons. I know you were listening. Cause I know you were listening to Winter Wheat by John K. Sampson. Uh, yes, recently. I was. Um, we've got the 17th Street Treatment Center. Whenever I hear this song, I definitely think of that a little bit. It's like a very sort of similar vibe, just like a little bit different. Um, the other comparison I wanted to make, I'm not sure if you've caught this as well. I just got into my notes here, but do you think there's like a replacements reference in this album? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. What, what, what was the reference? The I one, have... the one bridge for heavy year. It sort of, I think, I, th- I think it's lifting from uh, Bastards of Young. Oh shit! Okay, so yeah, it goes like the ones we love, the ones we love, like we hurt them versus the ones that we don't love. You know, like one of those like juxtapositions. Anyways, I'm pretty sure it's the because it's also in the bridge. It's also the same sort of idea as the Bastards of Young Bridge. So I'm just throwing out there as a potential fan theory. Um, I think there's also a replacements reference, which Marty likes. So <laughs> Marty, Marty can get down for that. You don't, you don't need to be a deadhead for that one. So just throw it out there. Is that, if anyone else has caught that, let us know. I just like this. This, this seems like it's very much very similar. So I, I'm going to go back and, and listen to it, and uh, I'll, 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 I'll let you know. Listen to the remastered Tim. They were like, hey, all these albums sound like garbage. Uh, <laughs> we should maybe try to make them sound better. And he was like, yeah, good idea. And now you're like, wait, you listen to it on Spotify. And you're like, right, these are good songs. They weren't like good songs in my mind only. You know? <laughs> Anyways, we'll do a replacements episode. We might have to do that. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, Marty, any final thoughts on, on Doom's Children? I mean, again, same thing. Like this, this band deserves to be a, a, a huge, huge deal, right? I know we have that. We sort of touched on briefly their little sort of spooky Halloween EP, um, but that's very much on its own thing. I'm I'm very curious whatever they're working on, whatever we're gonna get, because if it's building off of what Wade did here, it's gonna be amazing. And also, maybe we should mention very briefly that um, you know San Soleil was a Wade song that. You know, I don't want to speak out of turn, but obviously comes after Doom's Children. It sounds a lot like it too. Like the riff sounds a lot like it. Like, you know, the guy can write some pretty incredible songs in this vein, you know, based in this. And I just, man, I think, I think the next, the next LP is going to be big. Yeah. I, uh, I was going to say, I'm really looking forward to the next album. Wade's been posting clips and stories on IG. Um, it sounds, sounds good. Uh, if you don't have the album or if you haven't listened to it, just go buy it at your local record store, go stream it online. It is, it is good stuff. I'm a big fan, big fan. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. All right. Um, what else? What do, what, what, what do we got for next week? Do we have something for next week? Well, that wraps up <laughs> spooky season. <sighs> Special you, Halloween episode. Yeah. What do we have next week? I mean, we were kind of talking a little bit about it. What, what what do the fans want? What do you want at home? Just, sit, just stay silent for a second, Harrison. Just wait for them to reply. Uh, I haven't heard anything. No, no. I mean, what's what's one more spooky season? 
what's one more spooky season episode? Who says it ends on the 31st? It's Harrison? true. It's true. There's people who celebrate Halloween for a full weekend. <laughs> there are a lot of... With three the, different costumes. Sorry. Sorry. No, no. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely our plan uh, this year. Look, let's be real. Alexis on Fire has put out a bajillion, like 95% of their releases are on Halloween, right? Like, you know, we can't really get around that. There's only one Halloween day. So I think for next week, we should do another Halloween release. Pause, because everyone's like, knows at least a couple of them. I think we should do Dog's Blood. Okay, let's do it. Because it will be perfect for when... You, me, and Courtney Kardashian are singing along <laughs> at Blink and Alexis. We're at the top. It's just screaming dog's blood. Could you imagine Tom DeLong is like side stage, like <laughs> listening to them do dog's blood? Like, come on. What, what's happening? And then all he just hears Wade and sees him saying, Let's open up this fucking pit. And then just all the kids are kind of like standing there like like they were at turnstile or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what's going on? Yeah, it's like the reverse. Man, the turn yeah, the turnstile pit was funny. As in there was like ten people that knew what they were watching and understood it. And then the rest of them were, yeah, dads trying to drink as many butt heavies as possible. <laughs> So it was like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly, it didn't exactly make sense. Man, what, okay, hear me out. What if they had Tom DeLong come out and do the dog's blood, like do like a dog's blood guitar part? I was, I was thought you were going to say he was going to come out and do Dallas's part, like where he just does his, <laughs> his vocal bit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. We will take, we will, I repeat, we will take anyone's submissions of anyone doing um, an impression of Tom DeLonge doing the dog's blood bit uh, uh, before the before the uh, before the breakdown. Uh, just send video, send audio. I don't care. Just send it to us on Instagram. We will take them all and we will play them live. So yeah, yeah, sort it out there. Great idea. Okay, so dog's blood next week. It is all right. Halloween season, spooky season continues.